This is Rumble with Michael Moore, and I'm Michael Moore. Welcome, everyone. Uh, we're just we're coming up here on on Christmas Eve in uh, just a, a few hours, and I wanted to get this week's podcast out to you because of uh, what is going on with the uh, pandemic right now, and I wanted to talk to one of our favorite doctors, Dr. Peter Hotez uh, from Houston, who uh, has really been speaking the truth on TV and anywhere he can. And I had him on here before and I, I wanted to ask him some, some direct questions. Uh, so um, hang on for that. That's coming up here in just a couple of minutes. I guess doing this, uh, doing this on the pandemic, this becomes our Christmas podcast this year, the previous uh, two years. Uh, you know, this is uh we, we, we hit our second birthday with this podcast uh, this past week. Well, just in time for Christmas, Omicron is everywhere. Just in the span of this one past week, Omicron jumped from about 3% of the COVID cases in the United States to 73% of all cases in this country. And in some parts of the nation, it's as high as 90%. This thing has taken off like wildfire. In every part of America, (laughs) try to get an at-home test. They're sold out everywhere. Try to go line up for one of the free testing sites. You know, you could be there a good couple hours. They extend for blocks, the lines around the blocks. And that's until they run out of tests themselves. All this is happening just in time for the holidays. The biggest travel season of the year where most people won't or can't afford to change their travel plans. And they miss their families. Yeah. It's understandable, but it's also the most dangerous time since this started, actually two years ago this month. But there is good news in all of this. If you're vaccinated, your odds of hospitalization or death are like virtually nil. They're they're so low if you've had your two shots, if you've had your booster shot. But there's still a lot of considerations and mild cases that can mean a lot of different things. For instance, the long haul cases, just people I know that, uh, that have lost their hair, they can't smell, they can't uh, taste, they need 12 to 14 hours of sleep at night. And they, they just had a mild version of Delta or, or uh, Omicron. And uh, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. And now they don't know how many months or years they'll have what are called these long haul COVID things. So to help you understand uh, what to expect, with this unexpected Christmas gift of a brand new wave of COVID and how to keep yourself and your family safe. We're going to be joined shortly by one of our favorite returning guests, Dr. Peter Hotez. But first, a quick word about our underwriters who are supporting this episode of Rumble today. First of all, I want to thank uh, one particular underwriter who has uh, joined us recently, and that is Shopify. Shopify is the all-in-one commerce platform. We all know that the big box stores and the big corporations have been crushing small businesses for decades. Well, Shopify is here to help the, the, the average everyday person who's got their business or has got things that they're uh, trying to uh, put online and to sell, help level the playing field and give them the chance to start and run and grow your own business. Just last month, we launched the the Moore store uh, here on uh, Rumble and on my site, and we decided to use Shopify because of their great service, their outstanding technology, their low cost, and their values. So if you're looking to start a small business or grow the one you have, you've got to use Shopify. That's Shopify. That's S-H-O-P-I-F-Y. Shopify.com slash Rumble. Make sure Rumble is all lowercase. And if you do that, you'll get a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. See for yourself just how easy uh, this is and how much it may be able to help you. So grow your business with Shopify today. Shopify.com slash Rumble, all lowercase on Rumble. Do that right now. I also want to give a shout out to our first and original underwriter, Anchor. All right, my guest today on Rumble is the esteemed Dr. Peter Hotez, 
the director for vaccine development at Texas Children's Hospital, one of the leading forces behind the development of the Corbivax vaccine designed there right in Texas for low-cost mass production in the developing world and a leading public voice and advocate regarding COVID-19 here in the U.S. He's the dean of the National School for Tropical Medicine, a professor at Baylor University. His voice and his willingness to challenge what's going on so that it gets done and gets done now, not next year, now. Uh, it's, it, it's inspiring whenever I see him. And every time I've had him on, uh, he has told us the things that really not many other people are telling us. And, uh, and, and we're lucky uh, to have him as one of our great medical and scientific contributors uh, to Rumble here in the last uh, two years. Dr. Otez, thank you so much for coming back here uh, to my podcast uh, here on Rumble. Uh, much appreciated. Oh, Michael, thanks so much for having me. We have appreciated uh, not only you being on Rumble, but through these uh, last couple of years, but also all the good work that you do there at the university and the hospital in uh, Texas and, and, and on television. Much of what you say when you're being interviewed is you're not pulling any punches and you're not trying to sugarcoat it so we can all feel better. Uh, why is Dr. Hotez saying this? Christmas is two days away. You see, so I, I know the, the situation you're in, but I've, I've always said that uh, wouldn't you rather know from the doctor like the whole story, the whole truth? Well, what I, what I try to do, Michael, is I try to, you know, not just give doom and gloom predictions, but, but explain my assumptions so that people can make informed decisions. I think this is the problem we've had with communications all, all two years from our U.S. Public Health Service and the CDC. They, they talk to us like we're in the fourth grade or sixth grade. Don't right. just make these pronouncements with no underlying information so you can't make any assessments. And what I try to do is explain, for instance, you know, why um, that Omicron may not be so mild. The fact that what the database coming out of Africa and the UK is because Omicron followed immediately on the heels of Delta. And so a lot of the infections were actually reinfections. And that's why they may appear mild. And then people, oh yeah, sort of get it and say, it may not apply to the US. So you can make a decision about whether to fly your mother-in-law from New Jersey down to Houston and, and that sort of thing. And, and I think that's what people appreciate, that that I talk to them like adults, I, I treat them as equals, and I try to give them um, useful information that they can process and make the best decisions they can for themselves. But what what becomes, I think, confusing or scary for a lot of people is I'll just take the, the last 24 hours of the news cycle, is now they... First, uh, we all got scared of this new variant. The last 24 hours now has been, oh, this isn't so bad. It's mild. There, you know, people aren't dying from it. And, and it's like, well, what are, you, what are you telling us here? So don't worry about it? Or, and it's kind of, you know, to the civilians, those of us who are just trying to figure this out. Yeah, and that's the problem. So you can't make an informed decision. What I do is I, expl I explain why some people think it's going to be mild illness, but others may not agree. And here's why. Here are the assumptions people use to come up with the conclusion that they think it's mild. And here's why that might be not correct. And the problem doing it, of course, is, you know, when you're doing a hit on MSNBC or CNN, they, they don't let me back on Fox anymore, but <laughs> is that you, you only get, you know, two or three minutes and then, you know, the, the producer is shouting in your ear, wrap up, wrap up. And, you know, you're trying to get that information out. But, but, the networks, have, the cable net, news networks, have been generally pretty good about letting me explain, it. and that's why people like it because, not because then they come away. Oh, now I get it. Now I understand what what this is all about. And also, you're on both CNN and MSNBC, which which means I assume that you're not uh, beholden to one or the other. No, I'll I'll, I'll talk to anybody. I go yeah. on BBC. I do you know, the, I mean, I, I work for food, so I I don't I don't get paid by any. You don't get paid by the cable CNN. networks. No, nothing. Wow. So just for the people listening, going, what are they talking about? It's that, and, and I know that, and I don't either. I go on whoever, but a lot of the uh, commentators are paid, which is understandable. You know, that they, they uh, cable news needs uh, people standing by 
uh, as guests uh, to go over this. But yeah, no, I have no problem for people who get paid to do it. That's if they do that as part of their job. That's absolutely. Fine. And in my in my case, they didn't they didn't offer, and I didn't ask, and I feel grateful to have the opportunity to speak to the nation. And the fact that Fox won't have you on anymore, I've actually thought about going on Fox just for the possibility that for every ten people who are watching me. And there's and there's nine that are got steam coming out of their ears. If that one, if I reach that one, one out of ten. Oh, I absolutely agree. I mean, I was asked to go on Fox News in the daytime about a couple of months ago. The daytime anchors didn't hang in there with me for a while. The the nighttime guys cut me off yeah. pretty quickly when I started saying that the, Trump was launching a anti science disinformation campaign. That closed me up. The daytime, some of the daytime anchors hung in there with the hung in there with me for a while and then they finally uh, shut me up but i'll go on fox i still i've been on newsmax a few times and for for the exact reason you say because those are exactly the people we need to reach i mean i sometimes i feel too often i'm preaching to the converted right well because if 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 you and i if we can reach like i said that one out of ten that could be a million people who say after they're done listening to you or to a lesser extent me uh, they go away from the TV. They leave the room. They let everybody else in there uh, go off onto their QAnon uh, theories. But they leave the room and they go, wow, that made a lot of sense. Michael, here's the latest number. Since June 1st, 200,000 unvaccinated Americans have needlessly lost their lives to COVID. 200,000? 200,000. Oh, this is not small wow. potatoes. Um, this anti-science aggression I've now said is maybe the leading killer of, you know, of young adults in the United States, young and middle-aged adults in the United States up there with maybe fentanyl. I mean, that that's what we're talking about. So this is not an academic discussion. I mean, we're losing a thousand people, a thousand unvaccinated people every day to, to COVID-19, maybe more. And, and that's why it's so essential to do it. It's, it's, you know, I feel as a physician scientist and, you know, God gave me great skills. She, she was really nice <laughs> to me. She gave made me a physician scientist yes. and, and I feel I have to give back. And part of that giving back is not only to do the science, but to combat the anti-science. You both. Well, and also, and if you disagree with us, say so, but um, people like, I'll just say me, friends of mine, um, we don't want, and if anybody's listening who, you know, you're on the other side of the political fence. We want you to live. We don't want you to die. We don't want, I don't want to hear 200,000. There was that story in the New York Times last week about the red states, uh, just thousands and thousands of people believing Trump. And yet they're not even believing Trump, who this week on television with Bill O'Reilly, both admitted they've, been, they've gotten their booster shot. They're fully vaccinated. And yet the people following them still aren't getting vaccinated. In fact, I think Trump got booed a little got bit. Booed. That's how that's how deep in the rabbit hole they are, and and you know, and then I get accused of politicizing vaccines and said, you know, I, I'm not politicizing. We're trying to depoliticize it. Yes, it. I'm, I'm trying to basically say to the to far right groups or conservative groups that you know, anti science is not your fight. Don't don't you don't need to adopt this. There's you know, if you if you want to do all, all the nutty stuff that's your business that's not my lane i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go into that lane but at least uncouple it from the anti-science and don't unnecessarily needlessly lose your life what advice uh because we're just, we're talking here just a day before christmas eve people are going to be with family there are family members who are not vaccinated they won't get vaccinated they don't believe in any of this they either they believe some conspiracy theory or whatever and and they're desperate and before my thanksgiving episode i i had this discussion i I let people like call or write in what what's the main question you have to try to help family members and they're so and i heard back from them after thanksgiving and they're so defeated by this but have you come across anything that seems to work the advice you could give people listening to this who are going to be with unvaccinated uh, family members, which, by the way, my personal advice, and I'm not a doctor, uh, I, I would not be around any unvaccinated family members. Tell them you love them. Tell them we look forward to this thing being over sometime. But um, 
you can be in my house. You can be around my kids. You can be, I mean, I think this is a position a lot of people have taken now. And I think it's, it's sadly broken up some families. I, I think, I think the message, you know, for this, this holiday season is this is like no other COVID-19 variant we've seen. I mean, if you look at the, the, the number of cases versus day curves going up in New York city or Washington, DC, it's a vertical slope. This is so transmissible. That's yeah. straight up. It's it's like nothing I've ever seen. So, you know, if you're around unvaccinated individuals or if you're even around partially vaccinated individuals, there's a high likelihood they're transmission, transmitting COVID. So essentially what you should do is uh, when you talk to a family member who's not vaccinated or partially vaccinated, you should be interacting with them as though you should assume that they're shedding, they're coming into your house shedding COVID-19 virus. And and see if, and then see if you're willing to put up, put up with that risk. Or Would not. you? No, I mean, I, I mean, it, even you know, my mother-in-law, who, um, you know, she's in her 80s, she's fully vaccinated and boosted. Um, there's enough break because of Omicron and its uh, spike, spike gene escape mutations. I felt there was too much of a risk of her getting breakthrough COVID, and even though it would likely be mild, I didn't want to take that risk. So I disinvited her, So, which was sad. Wow. I mean, you know, because we had a nice week planned. We're going to show her some museums here in Houston and some great restaurants, but, you know, it wasn't worth it. Right. As opposed to my oldest daughter, yeah, who's, who came and left, and then my oldest son will come. So I think families all over the country have to make those kinds of measured decisions, and that's why I think it's important not to, for the CDC, not to give simple directives or information because you can't process it to make informed decisions. Right. For so maybe that discussion with them should happen over the phone, not in person in, in your house. This is what people are telling me now in the last, again, 24 hours. Oh, it's not as dangerous as Delta. I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, nothing will happen to me. And I said, well, that's not true. We've seen the, of these breakthrough cases. And I said, I know, I know of at least two people who got COVID, but mild, mild symptoms, no, no, nothing big. And one of them is our, one of our, our people on our, that work with me on my crew for my films. And he, he got it last February. So I don't know, what is that? Almost 11 months ago. Uh, didn't have it bad, got over it. To this day, he cannot taste or smell. I'm convinced that now because I have, I am fully vaccinated plus a flu shot. Um, that, that I'm probably going to be okay. My mask is always on when I'm around anybody, two masks, double mask N95. And I put a cloth mask over that, but I don't want to get the long haul. I don't want these symptoms. I have an, another person. I know that the hair, her hair fell out. I mean, there's all these things that we don't know how long he doesn't know how long he won't be able to taste or smell. Well, this was the argument that I had with a number of my scientific colleagues who felt that we only vaccinate to prevent hospitalizations and, and deaths. And I said, well, of course we vaccinate to prevent hospitalizations and deaths, but I'm also getting boosted because I don't want to get COVID. I don't want to have gray matter brain degeneration on MRI. Um, I don't want to have a, cat, a, a, a brain image study that looks like somebody 20 years older than I am. And, and we continually underestimate the impact of long COVID. In fact, I have, we have a manuscript under review or about to be submitted that's looking exactly at that why we also need to vaccinate against long COVID. It's just like when I got my sh my shingles vaccine, you know, Shingrix. I didn't get it because I thought I was going to die right. of shingles. I got it because I don't want right. to get shingles. Yes. And, and, and that's true of a lot of adult vaccines. So I don't know why we hold this other standard. Maybe I'm wrong to say this, but I would take a... If I got COVID in a, in a, let's say a mild version of it, but it still I ended up in the hospital for a few days, I sort of would rather that if it meant that that you know um, whatever the medicine is now the the cocktail of pills or whatever that that would get me out of COVID uh, quickly, I'd rather that than not be able to taste or smell for the next year. That 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 is. That's why I'm, when people say, oh, this uh, Omicron, uh, it's, it's, no, don't worry. It's just, if you get it, it's not bad. Well, yeah, that may be true for like, it may just feel like the flu for a few days, but how would you, how would you like your hair to fall? How would you like to not smell or taste? How would you like to 
need 12 hours of sleep yeah and and also we've i think the narrative that i I think the narrative that it's mild illness may not hold because again most of that are based on descriptions of people who were likely had omicron reinfections Mm. because their omicron wave it was uh you know dovetailed from their delta wave in the united states is different in the north you did not have a big delta wave like we did in the south so I think it's going to behave differently. I think hospitalizations are going to go up uh, in in the in the north northern hospitals. We're already seeing that starting to happen in New York and Washington. But we have another problem, Michael, and the problem is this: that that you're going to have all these healthcare workers with with breakthrough COVID, even who've gotten their booster, not enough for them to be sick in the hospital, but enough for them to be at home with COVID. And that's going to knock out a substantial proportion of the healthcare workforce. So I think the one-two punch that I see with Omicron is, one, it's not as mild as people are making out. You're going to, among the unvaccinated, you're going to still see them pile into hospitals and ICUs. And you're, there's nobody going to be around to take care of them because they're going to be sick at home with COVID. And mm-hmm. that's what I was looking for for the president to to address that, how to manage keeping people in the healthcare workforce. So since nobody was coming up with ideas, I put one out there, which nobody seems to well, like. I'd like I, I saw it, and I'd like you to repeat it again, because, you know, I think, you know, Biden took office. He's still not even president for a year now. So he, so he took office at the end of January. And I think he's done some incredible things. But but when I, but his, his two talks this week, I'm like, no, 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 no. This is... You need to, we need the full force of our government getting, trying to get to the someplace of what we used to call herd immunity. Uh, but, you know, I think if we can just get to 80 or 85 uh, percent vaccinated. Well, well, I think, you know, I, and I agree, I, you know, compared to, of course, compared to what we had, you know, Biden is a thousand times better. But, and he has done a good job, I think, as best he can in terms of, you know, getting the national, getting a national response out there, not leaving it, leaving it to the states, and making certain anybody wants to get vaccinated get vaccinated. I think the last couple of weeks, though, we've not heard him frankly address what the 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 weak links in this next Omicron wave. So, weak link number one, the one I just mentioned, is the healthcare providers being knocked out. With the suggestion I made was offer them a, a second booster, a fourth yes. immunization. Because that's declining rapidly, and potentially that fourth immunization could um, bump up your virus-neutralizing antibodies. It'll go down pretty quickly, but it'll it'll get you through this wave, so that you can take care of patients in the hospital. And it was interesting. After I'd put that out, the Israeli government made that announcement. They're doing that. Actually, they did two things. They they did the, they made the same recommendation for the healthcare providers. But they also recommended it for those over 60, which I also support. Uh, even though it's not going to last long, it'll get you through this wave. But there's a couple of other things, Michael, yes. which is, um, you know, the, we're not going to have Paxlovid, that new Pfizer drug, which is looking pretty good in abundance for this for this wave. And I'm not sure why, why not. Why, you know, once it was pretty clear that the drug looked really good and Pfizer was going to apply for emergency use authorization. Why, you know, we didn't use the full powers of the federal government, as you say, to invoke the Defense Production Act and make it right. now. I mean, that's, you know, small molecule drugs generally are not as complicated to make like vaccines. So that we should have done. And of course, testing is still a, is still a tragedy, right? I mean, you, I mean, there's no reason two years into this epidemic we have to have lines circling around the block or waiting three hours to get a freaking test. You know, there should be a home kit in everybody's house who wants it or pay a couple of bucks for it. So, what's the answer to that question? Why, why, it, why it should be so easy to be tested by this point? You know, why isn't that happening? And, and you know, if you were there, if you had an office down the hall in the West Wing. What what would you be calling people in to talk to them about and telling them what what we need to do and we need to do it now, not the middle or end of January or in the case of the Pfizer drug I heard I heard this morning, that may not be full blast available for everybody till spring, maybe beginning of summer. That's just crazy. That's crazy. That's absolutely crazy. And so, you know, part of it, of course, is 
and I think I said this on MSNBC this morning, the difference between the UK and Israel is they have a health system. We, we have something called uh, Amazon Pharmacy. <laughs> I mean, we don't have we don't have any health infrastructure. And by, by the way, Doctor Hotez, Doctor Hotez is laughing at the, at that the fact that the rest most other democracies, uh, industrialized countries, have a real healthcare system where you don't have to uh, uh, beg Amazon somehow to get to send you something. You're only laughing at that so that you don't cry on my show. Is that correct? Okay, I know exactly right. No, it's 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 a horrible trend. I mean, it's. And, and that's what COVID has done. This whole pandemic here in the U.S., it's exposed every single weakness that we have. And that's all we have is weakness. I mean, it's, you know, it's all about, well, you've, you've done whole documentaries on this. I mean, you know, outstanding documentaries. I mean, you know better than anybody. And, and having a pandemic just, just brings all that to light. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to say sometimes because I um, – I've been covering this particular issue with our healthcare system uh, since my, I had a television show on NBC called TV Nation back in 1993, 94, 95, and uh, and we did this we did this uh, episode called the Healthcare Olympics, where we we uh, sent crews, camera crews, to the emergency room, one emergency room uh, in Fort Lauderdale, um, uh, one in um, in Toronto, Canada. And then one in Havana, Cuba. <laughs> and we waited for like a broken arm or broken leg to come in. And then we set the clock going and we followed them like it was a Olympics um, race to see who got the right uh, care and how much did it cost. And it was so funny at the time. This is back in the 90s. So Cuba won. Cuba and Canada kind of tied, except uh, the uh, in Canada, they charged the guy $10 for the crutches. <laughs> to leave with his broken leg. And in Cuba, they just gave him the crutches. So Cuba won, and I got a call from uh, one of the uh, uh, the people that, that do standards and practices at NBC, and, and uh, she said, uh, Cuba can't win. I said, what do you mean? They won. <laughs> this is all, this is documentary. We didn't fix this. Yeah but, yeah, but Cuba can't win. Now, you can say Canada won. That's okay. Yeah, but... <laughs> Canada didn't win. Anyways, this is, I'm sorry to tell that story, but I'm just, this is, that's, ni- that's 1994. And uh, and then, you know, our, our movie Sicko in uh, 2007. Um, so I'm at, a, I've been, you know, climbing the walls here, basically, of, of trying to, just the, and just the fact that this simple idea, this common sense idea about what are we going to do when our healthcare workers this year are, aren't going to be able to help the people coming in there. And and you say that, and then the not our government doesn't take heed. The Israeli government. So, so I mean, for, first of all, if if you do have the ear of the Israeli government, I have one or two other things that I'd love to just pass on to you. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. I don't necessarily have the ear, but it was kind of maybe it's coincidental that it came out after after that. Yes. But, but, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, these are. This is, and all of this is just common sense. You know, let's let's figure this out and. And instead, there's so much worry about how it's messaged in the op. There's a lot of emphasis on optics, and and I'm quite concerned. And the consequence is, you know, remember, we've got 800,000 Americans who've lost their lives. We're gonna we're gonna reach the million point by Q1 next year. Now, because not only the the messed up healthcare system, the health system, but also the defiance, the defiance around vaccine and the right wing aggression that we're getting from. U.S. members of Congress and the conservative news outlets. I have not had COVID, or at least I don't think I've had it. Um, am I? Am I? Do I have a bullseye on me? Is, is Omicron looking for me uh, uh, because it needs hosts? And I'm 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 not a B Airbnb, you know, for uh, this uh, virus. So, can, when when did you get your third immunization? Uh, in September. It's four four months. So, I am at risk. So you are at risk. So you are at risk for breakthrough COVID. Exactly how much? But I can't get another so booster or another shot right now, can I? Well, that's why I think that's why I think we need to modify things to get a fourth immunization. So, um, what the numbers coming out of Imperial College London, based on virus neutralizing antibody levels, and people would say, well, there's also T cells involved, and of course that's true as well. But the modeling they would say is if you're say three, four months out of your third immunization, your protection against symptomatic COVID 
uh, from that booster is about 30 to 40%. Oh, that's not good enough for me. No, no. So what and, do I do? I'm not, and, it's not and, legal and now. That's another issue. These shot. mRNA vaccines are not, are not as are not as durable, it seems, in holding up against protection, which is why we always worked on a new technology. So um, I would... I would if, you would stay in the house is what your advice would be for right now. Or I, I, I think you should get a fourth immunization, but we don't have the infrastructure to allow that. That's the problem. So you think at the, how many months after the booster, what we call the booster shot, how many months after that uh, should we be thinking of giving uh, people a fourth shot? I think three, four months. Right, so I'm right there on the cusp of that right now. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. But again, it's based on limited data, limited modeling. And this is part of the problem that we've had with CEC and, and NIH and, every, and all the other federal agencies is they are not anticipatory enough. They have to, it has to be a published paper through peer review and everything else before they act on it. And I understand that that's worked in the past, but when you're dealing with this fast-moving freight train like Omicron, sometimes you have to make decisions on the fly. Well, how do you feel about the preventative things that people can do with their immune system in terms of zinc or vitamin D or uh, what's the other one I heard of, a COQ10 something? I mean, I take vitamin D pre-pandemic. I was yeah. taking vitamin D. Um, yeah, I think it maybe gives you some incremental benefit, but it's still no substitute for virus right. neutralizing antibodies. I want to just, um, here in our last uh, uh, part of this, uh, get into something that you have. You bring this up constantly, and you know, and I understand because people are worried about themselves. When it gets close, when you have family members who've had COVID, when you've had family members and friends who've died, and I, and I don't know if I can say that most people can name people they know that have died. I can, certainly. Um, um, I'm sure you can too, but um, 800,000 dead, you might know one or two of them, and it's very sad. And you have, though, been trying to get us to think a little bigger, a little wider when it comes to the world, the planet that we live on, because, um, and I've heard you say this, and I, and I, and it, this doesn't get picked up, and it, it must frustrate you, because, because, and I say to people, look at We've got to get the world vaccinated here. You know, it can't just be us because, and I try to appeal to their selfishness. Like, you know that this the first uh, variant uh, came possibly through China, but then through Italy and the UK. Then Delta, uh, I guess. Well, no, then Alpha. And Alpha arose yeah. out of an unvaccinated population in the United Kingdom in okay, 2020. Right there. And that was more transmissible. Than the original lineage. Delta is so, in India, right? Nature, and and we think Omicron well, is right. But even before even before Delta, Mother Nature says, "Hey, I'm going to throw you a curveball every few months, and the curveball is going to look like this. I'm going to give you a new variant that's more transmissible than the last one, and it's going to arise out of large unvaccinated populations. So you motherfuckers better vaccinate." So the first Alpha variant arose out of Southern England in 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 2020. Then Delta arose out of an unvaccinated population uh, out of India in 2021. And so I said, well, what, what do people think is going to happen if we allow the entire continent of Africa to remain unvaccinated? Mother Nature just told us what she's going to do. And now she's done it um, you know, with Omicron. And that was entirely self-inflicted. We could have prevented the emergence of Omicron if had we vaccinated the African continent. And that's why, you know, if I sound agitated or irritated or whatever word you want to use, it's because you know, John Berman on CNN once called me a Cassandra, which I had to look up, you know, faded to predict the future, but faded to have no one listen to me. So, right. Um, and, and that's exactly what happened. So that's why we've been pushing so hard to say, you know, the mRNA technology is an interesting technology as is the endovirus technology. But when you have a brand new technology, as any engineer will tell you, it takes time to learn how to go from zero to nine billion. And I, I don't know if it doesn't matter if it's mRNA or adenovirus or, or newfangled widgets, there's that learning curve. We've got a technology that we use deliberately because we make vaccines for the poor. We make vaccines for parasitic diseases. We meaning your And we your turn to operation. coronavirus. Yes. Our, our Texas Children's Center for Vaccine Development, 
That's all we do. We just make low-cost vaccines that could be made locally. And I said, we need to have a vaccine like that if we're going to quickly vaccinate the world. And I just could not get anybody's attention. And so finally, we raised money on our own, and we've philanthropy here in Texas and New York. And now we have a recombinant protein uh, vaccine that we've licensed with no patent, no strings attached to India, Indonesia, Bangladesh, and Botswana. The one in India is furthest along. It's it's produced by an amazing vaccine company called, they're privately owned, called Biological E. They're not, they've now made 140 million doses, and they have, they plan to make 300 million by next year. The Indian government has done an advanced purchase of 300 million. They can make a billion doses. And, and now we're just waiting for the green light from the Indian regulators for emergency use listing, which should be, I'm hoping before the end of the year, maybe by next week, and then, and then follow accordingly. And that's what we need. We need a vaccine that could, and it's, it's the same technology used to make the recombinant hepatitis B vaccine, which has been in use for four decades. People trust it. Parents have been giving it to their kids for four decades. So we also had the, the emergency use listing is for adults, but we have clinical trials now for kids. That's what we need. We need to get a global, it out there, yes, a global vaccine. But and but but the but the frustration yeah. that I've had for the last two years is no no help from the U.S. government, not even any intellectual curiosity about it. No help from the G seven countries, and so it was you know very frustrating to you know have to you know, go you know go out and raise the money privately. We did it, but it's you know I often think if we had gotten a fraction of the support that Moderna got, we could have potentially had the world vaccinated. Oh, well, that's a sad thought right there. I just, so you're saying you don't, you develop this, uh, the vaccine, uh, but, but, uh, you don't have a patent for it. You're not, you're not, uh, so who's getting rich off this? No, that's right. We put it, we put everything out in the public domain. You just put it out there. Well, how do you, uh, so, put it, remember, um, remember Jerry Rubin steal yeah. this book? It's like, you know, steal this vaccine. You want people just to take it. You've developed it. It's yours. And and, and it, it, I assume it doesn't cost much to make. Well, it's, we think it's the least expensive of all the COVID vaccines. What we do to help, though, we, we actually will provide them the production cell bank, and we actually help them to co-develop it we'll, at our own expense. That's what we use the philanthropy for. We'll, we'll help these companies, the, the biologically in India, Biopharma, in Indonesia, some are private, some are public, in SEPTA in Bangladesh, and Immunity Bio in Botswana. We'll help them with develop the assays, co-develop, we'll, we'll um, you know, build help help in training. We'll do whatever it takes to... Because it, it seems like, Dr. Hotez, if we don't do this, um, the next one will be from some other country. The first time you hear about it, you'll go, oh, that's in, uh, you know, that's in Pakistan. Well, what what if me. what if it turned out, Mike? I mean, maybe we'll get a little bit lucky, and Omicron will turn out to be less severe than Delta. I, I'm still not confident about that. But what if the next one is like Omicron, but much more severe? What happens then? And and so I think we're just playing with fire, and we've got to take this very. If the seriously. next one is more severe, we're not ready for that, are we? But we're not ready for this one. That's right. that's for certain. So, so what can you leave us with in terms of, and I don't want any hopium here. Uh, we want the truth. Um, but I think the people that listen to my podcast, the fact that we could have hundreds of thousands of people who will finish listening to us and, and say to themselves, I want to do something. Um, I want to, whatever that something is, uh, we need to make this happen. We just don't want to sit around and, 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 we, and we don't want to be just vaccinating ourselves because we need the whole world uh, protected with this. So what, what is it that we can do? We, the citizens, we, the civilians out here, um, I think we all know what we need to do for ourselves. You just told me I'm, I need the fourth booster now. So, um, you know, I'll, I'll just go stand outside one of the hospitals <laughs> here. with, with a, Well, I want to be careful too. I yeah, mean, you're not that, I don't want to say that's a medical recommendation no, because, you know, I don't know what that, because I haven't seen the data that Israel had to make the recommendation for 60 and older. I feel comfortable enough for the healthcare recommendation um, to the federal government, but 
Um, I don't know what data Israel is actually looking at for the for the sixty and older, but but for the but for the world, um, you know, yeah. the Biden administration, the White House just put on on Twitter today. Maybe they made an actual press announcement that they've now upped their donation to three hundred million doses, and they're very proud of that. And they say the U.S. government has donated more doses than anybody else in the world. And again. 300 million, I don't want to call it a drop in the bucket because it's not, it's something, but it's not 9 billion. And, and if, every, if all the stars align, our Texas Children's Hospital Center for Vaccine Development will have matched the U.S. government um, in terms of what it does. And I'm not, I'm not saying that yeah. to say how great we are. I'm saying it's, it's a problem that it just goes to show you if a small research institute in Texas can do that, imagine what the U.S. government could really do if it took took that leadership, so I think that's one is get getting the U.S. government to understand that this is a matter of national uh, security to get the world vaccinated. And and of course, if you're willing to support us, we have a I have a, a donation page that uh, pinned at the top of my Twitter, or or you can contact me. I'm going to put the link to that here on my podcast site, uh, so people can find it and. Uh, and, and donate. What else can people do, though, besides you know, supporting your work? What can the average person do as they finish listening to this podcast? What can what can they do today, tomorrow, after Christmas, before New Year's? It just seems like somebody needs to. Well, well first of yeah. all, first of all, take care of your family, which means which means vaccinate, vaccinate, and vaccinate. By that, I mean. Get your third immunization if you've not gotten it. Get your booster if you've not gotten it, because two doses of this vaccine um, is not doing very much for symptomatic illness. Uh, second, uh, if you've been infected and recovered, that's not going to cut it because we're seeing a lot of Omicron reinfections. So the first death we had in Houston from Omicron was someone who was infected and recovered and chose not to get vaccinated. So vaccinate on top of that, that's going to be really key. And vaccinate your kids. So right now, any child of five and up can get vaccinated, and we're not doing a good job vaccinating our kids. And and then once you've looked out for your yourselves and your family and your loved ones, uh, you know, the usual of talking to your your member of uh, representative in Congress to to push the United States to work harder to vaccinate the world and any support you can give us i guess that yeah would be about most uh, of our members of congress are at home this week and next week in their districts and uh that is a good idea to they all have local offices uh call right go there safely if you can um but uh that needs to that needs to be done um well thank you uh for continuing to inform us about what's happening uh, and thank you for the, the work you do uh, creating these vaccines uh, for people around the world and and not patenting it and not getting rich off it. It's, uh, uh, you know, if any young people, if you haven't heard the story of Jonas Salk and what he did with, with the polio vaccine and, and uh, making it available to anybody around the world who wanted to use it, this is what Dr. Hotez and his, his team are doing uh, right now. So thank you for that. Thanks so much, Michael. And you know, thanks for your giving me a voice and and being such a great advocate and friend and colleague. Uh, I really value value you so much and appreciate you and your team. And you're just doing such extraordinary work. You have my undying. Oh, thank you for that. We all want to come out on the other side of this, okay, alive, right. and right. and maybe as better people and treat treat ourselves and our fellow citizens and the people on this planet better. So, I I appreciate you being a leader. Uh, in that. And uh, I encourage everybody listening, uh, as, follow the advice here, get vaccinated. If you're not, get the booster. If you haven't gotten it, uh, make sure your whole family and your friends encourage them to do this. You love them. You want them to live. You don't want them to to not be able to taste or smell anything for the next year. Uh, that, that, you know, yes, you're, that you may live, but you want to live like live. And, and uh, so all of that, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Peter Hotez. And, and all the people there uh, in, with your operation there in Houston are doing uh, so much good work. Uh, it's much appreciated. And I, I hope you have a, uh, a good uh, uh, Christmas or holiday or uh, whatever uh, here with your family in the next uh, few days. Uh, thanks so much, Michael, and uh, appreciate it. And um, 
I'm sure we'll be talking again. It's not like this problem is just going to be. No, no, we'll stay on top. We're all in this together and we'll stay on top of this and uh, do what you have to do. Try to get five hours sleep a night if you can. And, uh, um, but, but keep informing, keep going on those networks and, and letting people know uh, the truth and, and don't be afraid to, to say the things that we don't want to hear or the government doesn't want to hear. We, we, right. You you know this just as a regular as a doctor, if you've if you've done tests on somebody and they come in, they say, "Well, how did I do with the MRI or the tests or whatever?" You're not saying to yourself, "Now I, I want them to go out with a smile," so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell them. Yeah, yeah, and and it, and it doesn't help doesn't help the Biden administration if all I do is say what a great job they're doing. If they're you know every administration, no one's perfect, right? Everyone's gonna have have failings and so there's a few pieces that need to be yes fixed. and they have to and, and i know people in the administration listen to this podcast and they do have to fix it they're not we're not getting no one's getting a pass on this and by the way i i'm in touch with them i mean it's not like i'm in, not yeah. in touch with them i i am and and i text them and, and they listen and and they're super so there's some really smart people you know heading our national covid response i think they're you know, part of the problem is they're trying to manage this very treacherous political landscape with so much extremism on the other side. And I think they let that sometimes affect their messaging and, and it waters it down or it comes out as baby talk. And I think that's it's not good. And, and they, you know, look, we know this about them, that they can admit a mistake or they can say, you know what, we need to up this. We need to reverse. We have to pivot. They two weeks ago, they said, if you have student loans, you got to start repaying them in January. And they heard from the American public, don't do that to us during this pandemic. And then, and then last night, the Biden administration said, you know what? Um, you don't have to start paying him back in January. We'll revisit this in May. That, that's what we need. I, that is the kind of leadership where you can say, okay, people, did, okay, that we, you know what? We can do better. Yeah, that's that's right. Not be so dogmatic, and and that happened with testing, right? Yes. Remember Jen Psaki a couple of weeks ago said, "Well, what do you want me to do? What do you want us to do? Give a home kit to every American?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah, that's exactly what we want you." To I love it. Yeah, I saw and, that. And and the they, light bulb went off in her head. You know, hey, what do you? What's going to give a home kit to everybody? And then she once went back, and everybody who was watching the press conference said, "Jen, that was a great idea." <laughs> and then, then two weeks later. It's the, the the wheels are rolling to do something like that, which is which is the sign of you know a good administration, right? You you, you make mid course adjustments. It's a sign of good business management practice, no matter what. And a sign that that we have some smart people in charge now. So, all right, um, thank you. Be well uh, and uh, stay with us. We'll have you back on again, and we'll be looking for you on TV and. Uh, just um, everybody listening to this, uh, also, if you can donate to what the, they're doing down there to get this, these vaccines out to the third world, and um, it's 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 uh, all we have to we have to be operating on all tracks here, and that's one of them. So thank you very much, Doctor Peter Hotez, uh, for coming back and, and being here in Rumble. Michael, thank you again. All right, take care. In closing, I just want to thank everybody uh, for uh, another year here of Rumble. Uh, for participating in this, for sending me your thoughts, your ideas. Um, I was going to say your thoughts and prayers. Uh, it's kind of a hopeless endeavor, but uh, but thank you for that. Um, if you are thinking good thoughts about us and everybody else who's trying to do some work to to get this country on track, uh, to to get the laws passed that we need passed. Um, it's been a rough month here, uh, trying to move forward. Um, We'll talk about that at the beginning of the coming year here. Uh, but for right now, I, I just would be happy if you're happy and or as happy as one can be during this time to um, be with your friends and your family, to, to be with your own self. It's a great time right now if you are alone uh, to start writing. Start your own podcast. Think about this. It's, it's if all of us were doing something, anything, other than just sitting around and being depressed, this is, this is how we're going to make it. We have no other choice, right? So, um, so be good to yourself. And my thanks to our executive producer here, uh, Basil Hamden, 
our editor and sound engineer, Nick Quaz, our jack-of-all-trades and now official super spreader here on Rumble, Donald uh, Bornstein, and everyone who has helped us to get Rumble with Michael Moore on the air and stay on the air and have watched it grow to now over 31 million downloads of this podcast since we started. So get your shots. Please, please, please do this. Is it easy to line one up right now? No, it's not. But that's why you have to be persistent. It's, it's, it's so important. I need you healthy and alive. All of us do. This country needs you. So be well. Look forward to a brighter 2022. We are going to come out of this. Let's come out of it, as I said earlier, as better people to live in a better world. That I know we have the potential to do that, but we have to face the facts of what we are being confronted with right now. Thanks, everybody. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy Boxing Day. Don't go burning down any Christmas trees outside of Fox News. Come on. You know, they have a right to put up their fake tree. I love the I love the fact that the tree that burned was a fake tree, not a real Christmas tree. They got a, in front of fake news, they have the fake tree. So leave it up. Don't touch it. Don't it's perfect. It's perfect. All right, everybody. Uh, take care. Be well. Love you all. Talk soon. Merry little Christmas Make the Yuletide gay Next year all our troubles will be miles away Once again as in olden of your faithful friends who are dear to us will be near to us once more someday soon we all will be together